0: Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you uh, this morning as we are celebrating Christmas together. Uh, this week, next week, it's really kind of the whole week of Christmas. And it's such a g- great time of the year for all of us to be together and to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us to celebrate the path of peace that he has made available to us. Matthew 121, I want to read that for us as we get started. says, She will give birth to a son, the angel Gabriel says, and you are to give him the name Jesus Because he will save his people from their sins. We've been talking about a path of peace that Jesus has made available to us to walk into. He came as the light into our darkness. He came as life into death. You know, he came as peace into our chaos. And he offers you and me this whole new path that we can walk on. And so we've been talking about this path of peace the last couple of weeks, uh, how Jesus has opened this new path to us. And last week I talked about how now we need to decide to join him, right? To reconcile with God by giving our lives to him and trusting in him as our Lord and Savior. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the path, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. And so if you're a Christian, I want to applaud and celebrate your new birth in Jesus Christ. And if you're not, I want to invite you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the Prince of Peace, and it's only through Him that we are reconciled to God and we are rescued from our sin and healed from it as well. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today is the effects of sin have been reversed off of our lives through Jesus, and we can have freedom, we can have healing, we can have wholeness, we can have victory. So let's jump right into it. One of my favorite topics is what the Bible says has been done to our sin because of Jesus Christ. And I want to just make this very clear: Sin is no longer a barrier or an issue in our relationship with God if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. There is no more barrier of sin between us and God. This is what the Bible says about our sin. All of my sin, all of your sin, is paid for. It's forgiven, it's washed, removed, buried, and forgotten. So I just want to go through those verses that the Bible talks about those things and just visualize these different words and how powerful this big picture is in terms of what Christ has done for us uh, through his death and his resurrection at the cross. So first of all, our sins are paid for. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed For our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. So Jesus paid for our sins. He took our sin upon Himself. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through Him. Isn't that awesome? The second point about sin is our sins are forgiven. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. I'm stressing the word all. There isn't any sin in our lives that Christ hasn't paid for and forgiven when we've given our life to him by faith. The third point about our sin, our sins are washed. Isaiah 118. Isaiah says this, come now. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. God washes our sins away. Another one, our sins are removed. I love this one. Psalm 103 verse 12. God says, as far as the east is from the west. So far has God removed our transgressions from us. When we think about east and west, there is no uh, polar opposite, where they meet again. East and West never meet. And the, that, that's a picture of the infinite distance from which God has removed our sins from us. They're not close to us at all. They are completely gone. The fifth thing I want to share with you about our sins is our sins are buried. Micah 719 in the New American Standard says this, he, God, will again take pity on us. He will trample on our wrongdoings. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Our sin has been buried on the ocean floor. God has trampled our mistakes and our regrets and our sin under his feet. And finally, our sins are forgotten. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four: For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. God himself has chosen to have selective amnesia. When it comes to our sin, he has chosen to forget our sins. Now, I know some of us haven't forgotten our sins. We still struggle with guilt and shame at times. But part of this message is to equip you and give you permission to release that shame and that guilt off of your life because God has. That's the whole point of these six different verses I just shared with you. Our sins are paid for, forgiven, washed, removed, buried, and forgotten. So why are we still dealing with it? So the good news that Jesus came to not just give us good news, but walk us into a different life was a a life that was free from sin and also that we can recover from our sin and not live with those regrets and that shame and that guilt. Any longer, Romans 8.1, Paul summarizes this, this uh, idea I'm sharing with you when he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for those who are in faith in Christ, trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Our sin issue has been settled once and for all. All that has separated us from God's presence has been removed. All of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame... There's no separation from God's presence for a Christian. There's no more awkwardness, no unsettled issues, no undercurrents, nothing's hidden. There's no relational baggage, right? There is no reason to hide from God or hold back any part of our lives because we are safe with him. He loves us. He is not condemning us any longer. All right, Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 18 to 22 kind of summarizes this opening point I'm trying to make. It says, now where there is forgiveness of these things, uh, an offering for sin is no longer required. In other words, because Jesus, the Lamb of God, was shed for our sin, the Bible says now there is no longer any other offering or sacrifice that needs to be made. You and I, we cannot improve or add to anything that Jesus has already done for us. It's religion that makes us feel guilty and shamed and regretful. And we carry around that weight with us because we're not measuring up. But that's religion. That is not the relationship that you have with God. It goes on to say, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, we can come into the presence of God now. Through his sacrifice, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh. Through his death, we have a new entrance, this path of peace, into the presence of God. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, the Bible tells us, let's approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, there is no more any hiddenness from God. We can be in his presence and the sin barrier is removed forever. I just, I just love that. So I can have confidence to come close to God. You can have confidence that God is with you and for you and you are meant to be in fellowship with God and sin no longer separates you from him. All right. So I want to um, talk about some of us have this feeling. I want to give you a little illustration to help explain this a little bit. So I got a couple of helpers here couple of camels I picked up <laughs> on my trip to Egypt a few years ago. So let's just picture this as God. Okay, I know God's not a camel, but you know, this will just help me use some kind of prop to illustrate this point. Here's God and here's you and here's me. Okay. And we want to be close to God, but our entire life, we have this problem. We have the sin problem. I'm going to call it like this wall. There's a wall. There's a barrier between us and God and The Bible makes it clear there is nothing that we can do to get through this wall, over this wall, around this wall. This is a barrier. It separates us from God. Our sin, our rebellion, our pride, it separated us from God. And so we have this problem. We need God, but we can't get close to God. And so Jesus comes, right? And when he comes and he bridges this gap, he dealt with this barrier once and for all. And by his sacrifice, he paid our debt that we couldn't pay. And he literally knocked this wall over, right? And so through Christ, what he's done is he's eliminated the barrier, the Bible says. He has eliminated this barrier. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And everyone who places their faith through Christ now has access to to God. Now, here's the problem. We all understand that and we all agree with it and we come to God But the fact of the matter is, even though this is the scenario that we are in right now in our relationship with God, there is no barrier between us. There's no sin between us. That thing has been crumbled down. It's been destroyed through Christ. It's no longer who we are anymore. This is who we are. The problem is we don't feel this and we don't actually live this way a lot of times. Even though this is the case, visually, I want to show you this. This is how a lot of us act. We still act, even though we're saved, we still act like there's this big issue between us and God. And we think it's my job to get this thing settled. It's my job to take care of this problem so that I can be close to God. And if there's a a sin in my life, then it's separating me from God. But that's not scriptural. This wall has been knocked down. And instead of us visualizing sin close to us and God far away... The Bible says sin is no longer a part of us. Remember, it's been removed. It's gone. In fact, it is totally out of God's memory altogether. And the way we are to picture our walk with God is we are with him in fellowship with him at all times. What we need to do is we need to identify ourselves in Christ, not identify ourselves any longer in sin. I know we're not perfect. I know we still stumble. I know we still make mistakes. But what I'm saying is that's not who we are. This is who we are. We are a son and daughter of God. So I want to talk about that a little bit more as we look at a couple other points I want to make. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one gets to the Father except through me. No one can get through that barrier. But Jesus has gotten through that barrier. And Jesus has defeated sin. He's defeated the devil. And he's defeated death on our behalf. And so will we as we walk in fellowship with him. Now, the other part of this is that now that means that we are in fellowship with God at all times. And the Bible says that Jesus mentioned this in Matthew 28, 20, that he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christ is with us. Even when we make mistakes, even when we sin, we have an uninterruptible fellowship with God because all of our sin has been forgiven and dealt with and buried and removed and forgotten altogether. So our memory verse for this week comes out of 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I want you to just meditate on this verse all week long and remind yourself that God is with you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on in your life, God is with you. This is what this verse says. The grace of our Lord Jesus, this is kind of like a blessing too. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And he is with you all. We do have the grace of Jesus. We do have the love of the Father. And we do have the fellowship of his Holy Spirit with us at all times. Why? Because sin has been destroyed Praise God. Praise God. I also want to talk about another short little story that's found in the Bible. It's a pretty popular story, but it reminds me that not only has Jesus opened a way for me to to walk on this new path of peace, and not only has he invited me up onto that path of peace by placing my faith in him, but also that he restores me and his favor rests upon me. And it reminds me of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, which some people like to call the story of the father's love. Focusing on really what the main point of this message is, isn't the sin of the son. It's really the love of the father, the love of God for you and for me, because we are all that prodigal son or prodigal daughter. So let me just read Three verses from the story. You know the story. I'm just going to talk about the end of the story where the son comes back to his senses and returns home. This is what I want you to remember of the story. The father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, slaughter it and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. And so we believe that every time we come home, an unbeliever places faith in Jesus, that there is a celebration in heaven because a person who once was dead is now alive. Someone who once was lost is now found. Someone who once was alienated is now welcomed back into the family of God. And no matter what, you don't get a speech You don't get it. I told you so. You don't get it. You better measure up now. You get arms wide open. Right. The love of the father. I just want to share with you the symbols in this couple of sentences of what the father is doing to the son to restore him. First of all, he's put on a robe. The Bible talks about that. We have a robe of righteousness and this is distinction that we are made distinct. We are restored. Uh, in fellowship with God, we belong to God and we wear a robe of righteousness and we are special. It's special. We are special. We are restored. So the son comes and the father places that robe on his son and says, you are now covered with my righteousness. He had pig slop on him. He probably smelled horrible, but God covered his sin, right? He covered him with a robe of righteousness and said, you belong to me now, right? We're in the family. The second symbol is A ring, and the ring represents authority. You and I, as we return to God, we have been given his authority in his name. Back in those days, the ring would often be used as a sign or a symbol or a signing device to place one's authority on a letter or some kind of uh, you know, property like that. And, and so we see the ring is being restored to the son. The son wasn't given a lecture, right? He was given restoration, a robe of righteousness, a ring of authority in Jesus' name. The one who is the resurrection and the life is the one in whom has inhabited us and released his authority into our lives to do kingdom activity on his behalf. And then the sandals, the sandals represent sonship. See, slaves didn't have sandals, only the sons had sandals. And so he had a servant place sandals on his feet, restoring him in relationship in the family as a son. And of course, as a son, he inherited all of the resources of his father, right? And we have a living inheritance today. The calf represents the resources of heaven. And not just the resources of heaven for a life here on earth, but also the things that are on this path of peace that Jesus made available to us. Things like healing and wholeness, joy and peace and love. And all these things that are on the path that Jesus has opened for us to walk on with him as we walk this journey out with God. We are restored. We are, we are forgiven. Uh, we have his authority. We have all the resources of heaven now that are restored to us so that we can do heaven's will. And we're walking on this path of abundance and peace. You know, I am fully forgiven. I'm deeply loved. And I am highly favored. And so are you. As we kind of wrap up this message, I have one more point I just want to make. And that is, Once we get on this path of peace and we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's a process that we need to go through that I'm just going to refer to in this particular message as recovering from sin or being restored from sin, being washed from the hurt and the pain of our mistakes and the harm that's been done to us and the harm that we've done to other people. Just restoring my soul. The Bible talks about Jesus as a good shepherd, how he restores my soul. And God wants you to have your soul restored. He wants you to think his ways so that you can enjoy his truth and the benefits of living on that path of peace. So he wants to change some of our thinking. He wants to heal our hurts. He wants to, you know, mend our our brokenness. And that's what this path of peace is all about. And it's not necessarily a destiny. We know we will end in heaven. We know that the best is yet to come and there will be a day of eternity that we all walk into uh, that's beyond this, this physical experience. We know that. There is a destiny. We know that. But right now, we're on a journey. And becoming a Christian isn't a destiny. It's a lifestyle, right? It's not something you did. It's something that you are becoming. We are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming more alive. And Jesus said, the life that I came to give you is a life of abundance. It's more than enough. And when you think about that, it's more than enough. It's not just enough. God isn't with you and for you. So you have just enough to make it through today. So you have just enough to make it to the end of your life. So you have just enough to get by. That's not what Jesus said. He says, I came that you might have life abundantly, more than enough. And why does God want to give us a more than enough life? Because he wants us to be a blessing to those around us. He wants you to have more than enough peace, more than enough love, more than enough joy, more than enough resources. He wants you so blessed and aware of how blessed you are that you are a conduit of his blessing to those around you. And you overflow with that life of God through the help of the Holy Spirit just flowing through you. That's who we are. We are more than enough so that we can be a blessing of that same path of peace to those around us. And so that's what I want to encourage you with. Every step of the way, you know, there is a, there is a journey for us to walk out in faith in Christ. And as you, as you think about that, there's just going to be more and more. God is always wanting to do something new and something more in our lives. There's always a little bit more areas of our lives that he wants to redeem and rework so that we are more clean and more alive and more full of his love. And as we uh, close this this, uh, message up, I want to just remind you of the key verse that we've been using in this this, uh, series uh, called the Path of Peace. And it's out of Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79, where Zechariah the priest is prophesying over his son John the Baptist, and then he switches to the coming Christ, which we know is Jesus. And he says, because of the tender mercy of our God, which by the rising sun, the messianic title there, the rising sun, will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. That's what Jesus has come to do, to guide our feet into the path of peace. It's a journey. We walk this out one day at a time. We follow him. We listen to him. We obey him. And we come more and more alive and free and whole in him. This uh, week is Christmas. It's just a great time to reflect on what God has done. Christmas is the initiating of this whole path of peace that God made possible through Jesus for you and for me. It reminds me of uh, another famous passage of the Christmas story. And I believe it was the angel Gabriel said this in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, but the angel, I think it was Gabriel, said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Isn't that good news? I think he's saying that to you today. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Right? So this is the good news of a great joy for all the people, for you, for me, for all the people, that a Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, has come. The rising sun has come to shine upon us in our darkness, in the shadow of death. He has come to guide our feet on the path of peace. And suddenly it says in verse, 20, uh, verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom His favor rests. That is the good news of Christmas that God has come, the Prince of Peace has come, to bring peace to us, to surround us with His favor, to bless us, heal us, restore us, save us, and prepare us for heaven. So I pray that heaven is getting bigger and bigger in you and in your family, that you guys have a blessed Christmas this year. I hope to see you on Christmas Eve. If not, God bless you and Merry Christmas to to you and to your whole family. Let me leave you with our blessing again, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom in his name. Before we go, I'd like to just pray with you. And if you haven't ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, right now I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Get right with God. Open your heart to the Prince of Peace who can then lead you into a whole new life of peace and wholeness and abundance. Let's pray this prayer together, okay? Lord Jesus, just say this in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've came into my darkness to rescue me, to save me, to deliver me from my sin. Today, I yield my life to you, Jesus. I need you. I need you to save me. And I ask you to forgive me of all my regrets, my sin, my mistakes. And I surrender my heart to you. Lead me on this path of peace. Heal me and set me free. I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you guys soon. I love you. Keep your eyes on the prize, on our Messiah who has come to save and who is coming back again to save us once and for all. Amen.